I pull into a parking space near the front of the museum. Mum sits in the car while I get the wheelchair out of the boot. I unfold it, place the seat cushion and then wheel it to the front passenger door. Practice has taught me exactly where to place it so I can swing the door open without hitting the wheelchair. I hold the car door so Mum can pull herself up using the door handle. She steadies herself and then we do a well-practiced manoeuvre, shuffling around as if in a dance until Mum stands in front of the chair. She eases herself into it. I crouch down in front of her, lower the footrests and guide her feet onto them, first the left and then the right. As she moves around in the chair to get more comfortable, I return to the car boot to retrieve the bag, which will hang from the wheelchair handles, the walking stick and Mum's hat. As the boot closes, I return to Mum. Mum is settled in the chair. I hand her the hat. While she places it on her head in a well-practised fashion, I reach into the front of the car for her handbag and place it on Mum's lap. With the preparations completed, I close the car door and lock the car. I move to the back of the wheelchair, grip the handles, flip off the brake with my foot and away we go. We move around the back of the car, watching for cars approaching us. We reach the path at the other side of the car park and start down it. The sun is shining but there is a breeze, which, when she feels it, causes Mum to comment that she is glad she wore a scarf. She comments on the lovely natural meadow to our right with colourful flowers. I agree and comment that it used to be a pitch and putt course, but it hasn't been for quite a while. We cross the museum drive and head down the slope to the lake. I squeeze gently on the brake handles in an effort to stop the wheelchair's acceleration down the slope. As we get nearer to the lake, the sounds of the birds get louder. As the gradient eases, I release the brakes and start to push to maintain the steady speed. We pass a hut on our right where a man sits on the seat with his dog. I smile at the man and the dog. Mum comments that the dog looks friendly as it looks at us, tongue hanging out and tail wagging. As we round the end of the lake, we see a line of birds sitting on the barrier across the lake. A mixture of gulls and ducks with an occasional pigeon. As the path straightens, we can see the weeping willows in front of us, looking gold in the sunshine. The sight takes Mum back to her school days, and she tells me how she and her friends would sit in the shade of the weeping willows in the grounds of her school. We reach a point where some birds are resting on the bank of the lake, and others are swimming near the edge. I stop the wheelchair and put on the brake. I reach into the bag on the back of the chair for the Tupperware box full of bird seed that I topped up from the bag that sits in the boot of my car. I peel off the lid and offer the box to Mum so she can take a handful. She aims and throws the seeds in the direction of the birds. Some make it, but most fall short of the path. The squirrels will have that, I comment. I take a small amount out of the box. The birds on the lake have seen what is happening and are already heading our way. I throw some of the seeds into what now seems to be a carpet of birds. 
The small birds dash towards the seeds quickly, grabbing what they can before the bigger birds arrive. The swans and geese have now arrived, pecking indignantly at the smaller birds who have the audacity to try and take what is obviously meant for them. Mum spots some colourful ducks off to the side who look on, not brave enough to risk the wrath of the larger birds. Give some to them, she instructs, pointing to the colourful birds. The ducks are scared at first as the tiny projectiles land around them, but quickly recover as they realise it is manna falling from heaven, rather than something sinister. We stand and watch the carpenter's seed quickly disappear. As the birds start to drift away, some having their fill and others deciding that discretion is the better part of valour, I flick off the brake on the chair and we continue our stroll. As we pass the first bridge across the lake, we see people standing on it throwing bread to the crowd of birds circling below. I mention in passing that a guy from the camera club I go to was in charge of the project to refurbish the bridge. Mum hums and makes a comment. As we pass the old boat sheds on the right, I explained to Mum that when I first moved to Luton, there were rowing boats and paddle boats that could be hired to take out onto the lake. She asks why they don't have it anymore, and I have to admit I'm not sure, and that the sheds are just used for storage now. As we clear the shed, the various exercise apparatus installed in the park come into view. Mum comments that perhaps I should give them a go. I came to her suggestion with, I will if you will. We both agree to leave it for another day and carry on. The trees on the bank of the lake have thinned after the bridge, but as we near the island that sits in the centre of the lake, they thicken again. As we get nearer, we can see squirrels sitting within the leaves and twigs that have fallen from the trees. We stop with the railings between us and one squirrel. It stops its busy searching for a moment, seemingly assessing whether we are a threat or competition. For a few moments, we stare at each other as if daring the other to blink first. We do and start to move on again. Our movement startles the squirrel and he dashes for the trees, disappearing out of view. As we move away, I glance back and spot the squirrel halfway up a tree, peering around a trunk, watching us before he finally disappears from view. As we near the second bridge, which marks the furthest point in our stroll, we see the flower bed which marks the crossroads of the path we are on with the path leading from the bridge at which stands what looks like a Victorian folly. Surrounded by a flower bed consisting of a mix of green shrubs and colourful flowers stands what looks like a stone balustrade with a plinth on the centre on which sits an ornate stone bowl filled with flowering pansies and two smaller bowls one at each end of the balustrade, filled with the same colourful contents as their larger counterpart. When we reach the display, we stop to enjoy the mix of colours, appreciating the work that has gone into providing the wonderful sight in front of us. After enjoying the colourful display for a few minutes, we move on, turning towards the bridge which we will cross to start our return to the museum. As we reach the middle, the birds in the lake on either side move towards us out of habit. 
I retrieve the Tupperware box and remove the lid. Mum takes a handful of the seeds and starts to throw it in small amounts to the birds, expressing the thought out loud, I wonder if it will float. A feeding frenzy ensues with the larger birds eating the food at their leisure, while the smaller birds dart in and out, wary of pecks from the swans and other birds, occasionally reeling as a beak makes contact. We stand and watch the drama until the accessible food is gone and the birds start to move away as they realise they've had all they're going to get. We head down the other side of the bridge and to and towards the children's playground. As we head along, we admire the flats to our right, which overlook the park with their smart balconies. As we near the playground, the sound of children playing reaches us. We are near enough now to see the happiness of the children, on swings calling out to be pushed harder, and shouting out from the top of the slides to make sure they will be caught safely at the bottom. This time it is me who is taken back in time, and I tell Mum of the many summer days spent here with my girls when they were younger. As we reach the end of the playground, we see the snack hut with its priceless and colourful pictures of ice creams and ice lollies either side of the serving hatch. Time for a coffee, says Mum. She doesn't mean from the hut. It is my cue to pick up the pace back to the museum and the cafe inside. We pass the first bridge, the path forks. We go to the right to the tennis courts. I feel the wheelchair get heavier as the path becomes steeper and push harder until we pass the tennis courts and turn left onto level ground. We continue up the path, past the old post box, to the museum entrance. As we enter, we're greeted by a friendly member of staff and we return the greeting. As we enter the cafe, we turn left to the counter so Mum can see the selection of cakes and we can choose one to share as she said she won't be able to manage such a large slice on her own. We agree on chocolate cake. Mum orders a coffee for herself and I ask for a tea. I explain it will, I will be back in a minute and push Mum into the dining area to find a table. I ask Mum whether she wants to stay in a wheelchair or sit on one of the wooden chairs. She decides on the latter, so we reverse the earlier process with me first guiding Mum's feet clear of the footrests so I can flip them up to allow her to put her feet on the ground. By a combination of use of the arm of the wheelchair and the table, Mum raises herself up and moves carefully to the chair. At this point I return to the serving counter, pay for the cake and drinks and then carry the tray thereon back to the table where Mum is to be greeted with, I'm ready for this. We chat as we enjoy the drinks and cake, pointing to the light shades made of teacups and saucers and looking at the tools for creating lace that are under the glass of the table our drinks and plates are resting on. I finish first and am pleased to notice that Mum seems relaxed and content, sipping her coffee. She encourages me to finish the cake as she can't manage anymore, which I dutifully do. She says she has had as much of the coffee as she can manage. I ask if she's ready to go and she says she is. I help her back into the wheelchair and we head back to the car. Come on, Fizz. I call to my four-legged companion, who now joins me for walks around the lake. The same landmarks are there, but without the colour of summer. 
almost in black and white. The weeping willows are bare, no longer offering their summer shade from the sun. The balustrade wall is just grey stone without summer flowers. However, the colour is still present in my memories of my walks around the lake with my mum and the pleasure she found in it.